And I know it's a division game in New England. I'm aware. I can read. So go ahead and just add me with your hate mail. It's fine. I can read, he says. But, uh... All right, welcome in, everybody. It's the Important Nonsense Podcast. I am your host, Steve Bonham. You can find me on Twitter at Nonsense underscore Steve. My co-host, Neil Smith, at Nonsense underscore Neil. Neil, how you doing today? <sighs> A lot better now that we got the actual computer issues out of the way. Yep, technology is great, isn't it? Yep, works great till it don't. The football preview. Halfback, passes to center, back to wing, back to center, center holds it, holds it, holds it! No, not that football. Aw, oh, the Denver Broncos! Yeah, that's the one. You just don't understand football. News. Good news, everyone. Extra, extra, read all about it! And stats. Nerd! You need to win. You play to win the game. On the Important Nonsense Podcast. Da-da-da-da-da. Hey! Da-da-da-da. Week four of the NFL season, we have bye weeks to deal with for the first time, Neil. We've got Washington and Carolina on the bye this week. The headline that took the fantasy community by storm, though, was Jimmy Garoppolo tearing his ACL. C.J. Beathard is now the starter in San Francisco with Garoppolo's season over. Said it in the preseason that Garoppolo really shouldn't be drafted as anything more than just a flyer on your bench. The people that failed to heed that warning are now paying the ultimate price. Do you have uh, any thoughts on the San Francisco Jimmy Garoppolo situation, Neil? Nothing other than if you read my QB comparison article, you would know that I was recommending pairing Jimmy Garoppolo with something if you were going to invest in that so that you wouldn't end up in exactly this situation. Uh, beyond that, uh, shameless shameless plug, uh, <laughs> I would say... If you were completely desperate, uh, Ryan Tannehill is an interesting spot start this week. I'm not super high on it, but other than that, I mean, you're probably looking at having to make some sort of deal. Or yep. what do you think, Baker Mayfield? He's probably on your waiver wire. Or what was? I don't know. Tuesday. He was a sexy I mean, name in the preseason, so I don't even. It's know just if he would not be out it, there. It just depends. It, QB's weird like this. A lot of people have started kind of rostering two QBs, and right. it's kind of why I was recommending in the preseason, don't go it with just Jimmy G, because I think you may live to regret that decision. So hopefully you have a backup plan, or can yeah, make a most, trade. I would assume most people didn't have Garoppolo as literally their only guy. I'm sure you had someone else back there. It's just if you waited forever on QB, and your best starting option was Garoppolo, I have no idea how terrible your bench option could have been. Yeah, that's that's but the Based problem. on ADP and where he was going, maybe you got lucky and got, like, Matt Ryan or Blake yeah. Bortles to pair with yeah, him or something. something. Just some, something serviceable. I mean, Alex Smith was falling in drafts towards the actual draft day. Yeah, yeah. So, like, something like that even. It's not great, but it's better than Derek Carr. Who, incidentally, actually, not a terrible spot start this week either, but it's not something I want to deal with all season. Meanwhile, Evan Ingram has a sprained MCL. The initial reports of doom and gloom were four to six weeks. Today's report downplayed that to two to four weeks. Either way, he will miss a good chunk of time. The backup there is not worth your time if you're thinking about it. He played, Rhett Ellison played literally 
three snaps, and he got three tar or not three snaps. He played 54 snaps. He was on the field a majority of the time. He got three targets during that whole time, and uh, he caught all three of them. One of them happened to be a touchdown, but I'm not expecting that kind of production from him on a regular basis. So you're looking elsewhere on the waiver wire. There's plenty of options out there for you to look at. Again, waiver column, as we already mentioned on that. Uh, with it being such a coin flip week to week, you can find somebody out there. If you have the roster space or even better IR slots, I would still hold Ingram. As I've said, when he returns, he'll get back to being top 10 value. He's got a top 10 schedule through the fantasy playoffs. Everything kind of lines up for him to have a good stretch run for you at the back half of the season if you can hold on to Evan Ingram. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a matter of, of waiting it out at this point with an injury like this. Yeah, and it just speaks to their game flow. Giants are down in a lot of games. When they go hurry up, he's out yeah. there. He can catch. I mean, it's it's a it's a position that is just so scarce. So, yeah, if you have IR slots, do not cut Evan Ingram. Just try and hold on to him and see if you can reinsert him back in the lineup when you go and hopefully make that turn into the fantasy playoffs. And the for the timetable, too, what you have to keep in mind is this was just week three, and uh, their bye week is in week uh, nine. So with the initial four to six week prognosis, you were looking at, you know, at the earliest him being back in week eight. My assumption would be if he, you're thinking, well, maybe he will play, maybe he won't play in week eight and I'm the Giants. I'll say, you know what? Forget it. Just sit out this week as well. We'll give you the whole bye week to rest. Come back at 100 percent in week 10. And then and that this, would just err on the side of caution. That'd be the full six weeks he was out. Yeah, and that argument also gains strength if the Giants can actually win a couple football games. Sure. So if they're looking at meaningful football when you get to week ten, yeah, they'll I I'm sure they'll err on the side of caution. Also, they value they seem to value him as a piece. So when you've got something like that, you tend to not want to rush it back and then, you know, he gets hurt again. And, but like I said, today they kind of downplayed it as a mild sprain, uh, more in the neighborhood of Doug Baldwin, who could potentially be back this week of, uh, you know, like a, a three to four week type thing, two to four week. So maybe he will be back more towards the, uh, the middle of the fantasy season as opposed to the end. Meanwhile, Gerard Taylor. Oh man. <coughs> <coughs> Getting choked up, Woo. folks. He's getting oh. choked up just thinking about it. That that news wow. hit you hard, didn't it? It did. Thursday. It really did. Just, I was a big Tarad guy the whole preseason. Yeah, just, you know that. I mean, you gotta you gotta just give him a moment. He's yeah. he's a little verklempt. So he's, he's a little verklempt. He went to the concussion protocol on last Thursday night football, and then they hit him in the head in the locker room to make sure he didn't come back. And the Baker Mayfield era begins. Yeah, our uh, Golden League member and personal friend. Uh, was suggesting Slash that it was probably a spot fill-in was... host. Yeah, that's true. Kevin that did McCarthy. happen. That yeah. is true. Right. Yeah, Kevin McCarthy was theorizing that a hammer was actually the blunt instrument. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I have no evidence to disprove this. I also have no evidence to prove it. It's an interesting yeah, Mr. Theory. Jackson in the locker room with the hammer. Right. Yes. Clue. <laughs> NFL version. But Baker leads the team to a comeback victory, their first in nearly two years. Neil, fun fact. Uh, Hugh Jackson, now in his third year in Cleveland, still hasn't won a game on Sunday. There you go. That's right, Hugh. Still Browns. There it is. <laughs> He's got a tie, 
but he's got a win on Saturday, Look, he got and he's got a win on Thursday, open. and that's it. He got those beer fridges open for those people. They'll, that's all they care about. They'll give him a pass. Like, they'll, they'll give him a pass. So he looked good in the hurry-up because that's what he does. That's what he's always done. Just move the offense, no huddle, signals yeah. from the sideline. Go watch that's any Oklahoma Mayfield game. Thrives. Go any Oklahoma game. That's what he did. Offense seemed to stall out, though, when they slowed it down and got into the huddles. That's That was the concern coming in with him out of the draft. So we'll see how that gets affected this weekend. But do you think he's addable in a redraft league at this point, or is he just like a flyer on your bench? I think he's almost he's on the borderline of those two ideas. So I think like Dynasty Keeper League, obviously. Yeah, that was always the thing, though. That's always been a thing. That's not new. But redraft, but that's redraft, the Redraft is a little bit of a different animal. I would say in a 12-team league or deeper, yes. Especially because, as we all know, no matter how I answer this question, people love the shiny new toy. And they they would value what they haven't seen versus what they have. So against other options, I could see him being heavily added. I actually added that to the waiver column, where I think he'll be a huge add this week because it's the devil you don't know versus the devil you do in this case versus people like Ryan Tannehill, if you follow me. So he's right. He's Joe Flacco. Yeah. Andy Mariota, who's hurt. Garoppolo, who's now done. Exactly. So he's going to be heavily added. So I think by virtue of the position and by virtue of if it's a 12 team league or deeper. Yeah, he's an ad for you. But the only other issue that I would say is in a 10 team league in a 10 team league, I don't think he's a must add. Right. Like in a ten team league, I, I think there's still yeah. yeah. In a ten team league, you're probably good. In a twelve team league or deeper, yeah, he's probably a must add for somebody. So outside of his own value, what does this do to the skill guys around him? Like in Joku, Landry, Carlos Hyde. I actually, Hyde. I think it's boosting Landry and Joku because the passing offense was completely constipated. And Callaway, by the way, the yeah, passing offense was constipated with Tarad. He, he's just been holding the ball too long. He's underthrowing. He's overthrowing to compensate for the underthrowing. Like, it just wasn't looking right. And in that last game, it all just looked like it was falling apart. Just cake in the rain. Whatever could have gone wrong was going to go wrong. It was just a collapse. And then he the Baker comes in and immediately breathes life into the offense. Those guys suddenly looked like they wanted to play football again. And that can't be undersold. And that's one of the, the nice things about Baker is that and I don't normally buy into this idea, but because I've seen him do it at Oklahoma, and now I'm watching him do it kind of at the pros, he seems to be able to get people to play above their level. Would you agree? Yeah, he hypes up the guys like, around him. He gets him. people to he wants people he gets people to want to play for him, and that's something that, frankly, I used to watch Peyton Manning do. Like he would just get people into the game. And that was before he was Peyton Manning, you know, the legend. He would just he gets everybody pumped and that's that it can't be undersold how valuable that can be. And especially if they have confidence that he can throw it. And would you also not agree? He was just throwing lasers. Yeah, just those some ropes. of the some of the needles he was threading, pretty tight windows there. That was pretty good. Now he's gonna throw some picks, throwing like that. That's gonna happen. There's gonna be some picks, there's gonna be some ugly. He's a rookie. He also fumbled that ball and somehow magically it bounced to uh I forget who it was, but it Lineman, just bounced yeah. magically to alignment. Yeah. So there's going to be some, some, some weirdness, but for Landry and Joku, I'm actually raising their value. And for date uh, no, for Duke Johnson, I think that helps Duke Johnson because it can't possibly hurt 
what was tanked you anyway. You can't get worse than zero. So, yeah. Pretty much. And then Carlos Hyde, I'd say, I'm not directly, but indirectly, because the offense is more effective, he should get more opportunities. So, slight uptick to a lot of the slight Browns' skill guys. for everybody. All right. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jack Doyle missed week three with a hip injury. He's still not practicing. He's on the bubble to potentially miss week four as well. Eric Ebron is clearly a must-start in his absence. Look, he was getting a ton of targets anyway. Neil, you want to hear a very Eric Ebron stat? Well, I feel like you're going to give it to us no matter what I say. Yeah, I am, so... But I just you love Eric Ebron's stats. No, so I don't actually. I, I really don't. You know me. I love Jack Doyle. Eric Ebron leads the NFL in tight end red zone targets with six, and of those six targets, he has one catch. That's yes. an Ebron stat, right? That's there. an Ebron. That's a yeah. You know what? I can see why you would say I like that. You know what? <laughs> I do like that stat. That's a good stat. That's a. You That's like good. that? You like that? There it is. You like that. So, yeah, there you go. Eric Ebron, though, is a target monster in the red zone. Yeah. He's only got one catch for one touchdown, but it still counts. And if he's going to keep throwing the him the ball there, the re- yeah, it's eventually he's going to accidentally catch one like he did there. So They're at home this week to, against to Houston, targets, by the way. Like, the opportunity Houston will be has, there. Houston does not look good on defense all year. But, yes, Eric Ebron must start. If Jack Doyle doesn't play. Meanwhile, Marlon Mack, speaking of the Colts, also missed week three. Naheem Hines, I think, is a name you need to know here, Neil. Whether or not Mack plays, it seems like Jordan Wilkins has a role, correct? Yeah, yes. Yeah, I mean, whether he's got a fantasy role. He's Marlon role, Mack but... when Marlon Mack's not there. Right. He's, he's C.J. Anderson. He's, he just, he's the running back. The traditional sense. Naheem Hines just, he gets an expanded workload with Mac out. So if Mac does play, then Hines, I want no parts of. But if he continues to not suit up, then, uh, Hines can be a, if you're desperate type flex player that you can keep in mind heading into the weekend. You got it. And that's actually pretty much every week moving forward, I would say. Naheem yeah. Hines is going to be one of the most added and dropped fantasy football players this season in terms of, like, he will he will be on so many different teams as a bi-week RB2 if Mac's not suiting up. Because you got to figure you feel pretty idea. good about So, uh, we're, as I just mentioned there, it kind of gets into handcuff territory, doesn't it? Yes, because he's going going to be in and out of the lineup and he's the satellite back he's yeah his only that- value is really when mac doesn't play that's it so i i guess that would make him the handcuff wouldn't it i mean wilkins is going to have a role regardless so yep. it's almost like he's got it all to himself there whereas marlon mac eliminates heinz value when he's playing and when he isn't playing heinz gets a boost so i guess he would be the handcuff in a weird way yeah and it's it's a weird handcuff because it's not a straight roll because he's the satellite yeah. guy and he catches the passes and he occasionally gets a red zone run. Uh, but it's it's that kind of deal where I feel pretty good that if Mac's not playing, uh, Naheem Hines is somewhere between a seven and a nine or a twelve. Like honestly, if I had to draw a comp, it would be like in the Redskins, right? Where you've got yeah Adrian Peterson, who's Wilkins, has the first and second down. He gets a lot of the goal line stuff. 
and then you've got Marlon Mack, who's Chris Thompson, who's like the pass catcher, third down guy. And then when he doesn't play, you've got Hines, who's somehow a fill-in for that role, and Peterson's role never changes. Hines almost works like Buck Allen in another weird way. He catches passes and occasionally gets some run in the red yeah, zone. Yeah, it's a weird red and zone stuff, too. That's a good role. one. That is it's a, a weird one. role, and it's almost like Buck Allen, but Buck Allen has value. Well, so Buck Allen's Buck proven Allen, it out over time. Where Naheem yeah, but Hines I'm saying if, it's, if you're looking for Naheem Hines in that situation, then it's kind of the same comp. And so what I'm saying is, if Buck Allen has value, so does Naheem Hines by definition. It's just lower quantity. Yeah, and you just kind of running back is a is a is a complete bleep show. Vast. vast it is a wasteland. Hashtag dumpster fire. Bad. So Naheem Hines, look, he's getting the ball. Like it's it, it gets to that point pretty quickly. Meanwhile. Delvin Cook, there we go, missed week three, so, uh, I mean, clearly, he's obviously the linchpin that holds the Vikings together, right? Yep. I think that's just proven out. So sign Delvin Cook to a multi-billion dollar deal, I think that's what that is. Classic track. Yeah, you can make the correlation there, I think. Delvin Cook just takes his agent right to the Vikings front office. Like, look, yeah. I'm not in the lineup, and the Bills come in here and put a 27 spot on you. Don't make any mention of the fact that Josh Allen was hurdling our defenders. No, we don't know no. why. Don't, don't bring that up. Delvin Cook will just tell him he could have tackled Josh Allen. That's right. So questionable to play tomorrow against the Rams with the quick turnaround. If There's one of two ways to look at this. He really wasn't ready to go on Sunday. So he had to sit out, and he's a big question mark for tomorrow. Or he was close, but knowing they had a short week in a big matchup, they said, just take a couple extra days to rest, and we'll get you out there on Thursday. Which way are you leaning more? Uh, I'm leaning more towards the latter there, because it leads to my it leads lends credence to my theory that that entire Buffalo result is a result of the them not caring Vikings and knowing. just looking ahead. They didn't even try. They did not yeah. even attempt to prep for that game. They've spent all their time prepping for this Rams game that's about to happen because they figured, okay, one way or the other, I don't care. They weren't expecting to get smashed, I'm sure, but at the same time, I don't think they spent even five minutes prepping for that Buffalo game. And it showed. Uh, so if you're the Vikings, look, if he actually is hurt, I'm not really eager to throw him out against that Rams front line, but if they do end up playing him, are you going to start him, or are you riding with the guy that you used this past week to fill in? I have to tell you, it depends on who the guy was that you had to fill in. Because if you're using Latavius Murray, I'm not throwing that out there against the Rams. Yeah, we're not we're not doing that. But depending on who you had to fill in, like if you had Giovanni Bernard, uh, I might lean towards Giovanni Bernard. Because it's a great matchup, and if he's he's a little dinged up because he always is, but if no Joe Mixon, Bernard is interesting. So like if it's that, sure. But if it's Naheem Hines, no, I'm going Delvin Cook. Yeah. So that's that's where we draw the line. So it's it's a degrees situation there. Yeah, exactly. Hines will give you more than a zero, but even half of Delvin Cook will give you what Hines. Will uh, give Rams you. come and into this game pretty boom. beat up. I mean, I like they're going to have issues in the secondary. Granted, that shouldn't affect their run defense too bad, but you never know. I mean, I, I'm not as scared of Dalvin Cook as all that. 
Meanwhile, Jay Ajayi remains day-to-day with his back injury. Remember he left that Week 2 game with the back injury. They said he was questionable to return. Then all of a sudden he came back and scored a touchdown. And we were like, okay, he's totally fine. And then for whatever reason, he was missing a lot of practice last week and then ended up not playing. Bizarre situation. Well, but really, is, uh, I was going to say, really, all that that, that that does is just kind of <laughs> bring other eagles to the fore. You know what I mean? So that, I wouldn't, you know, if you, really, the conversation isn't about J.H.I. and his weird phantom injury. It's more about what do you do with that? So for me... I don't know that they're going to play Ajayi this week. So is there anything that you Air saw that you, caution? I mean, even if he's playing, do you really want to deal with it? Like it, it, it depends well, on your other see, options, obviously. Yeah. But, that that's, that goes back to the same thing. If he's, if he's out, if he doesn't even suit up, then yeah, we, we already saw Wendell Smallwood this week, Corey Clement. Smallwood's a guy that's a usable flex. We talked him up last year when Ajayi Smallwood was out. Smallwood is Naheem Hines this year. Yeah. If, if Ajayi's not playing, Smallwood has value. If Ajayi's playing, Smallwood seems to be close to a healthy scratch, frankly. Yeah, Smallwood is really just used. Uh, Corey Clements used a lot on special teams, and that's where they love to use him. And because of that, they're never going to give him the full workload, which is where Wendell Smallwood comes in. But Smallwood's going to be a healthy scratch if Ajayi's playing. If Ajayi is in and playing, even just partially, I don't want any of those guys. So it's the same thing. It just clouds it up. If you've got another option, I would use it. But if Ajayi's back ready to go 100%, I would use him. It just depends on what you were filling in with, the same as before. Yeah, especially particularly, again, I'll say it again, if you had Giovanni Bernard... Uh, over Gimpy Ajayi. Yeah. I was probably, probably doing that. Meanwhile, Andrew Luck's velocity is, quote, not a concern for the Colts, according to reports. Oh, bleep. Now, the, the, whole, the whole situation became a story because of the Colts. They made it a story. For those of you that missed it, on the last play of the game on Sunday for the Colts, they had the ball at midfield. They needed a Hail Mary to win. And on the last play of the game, they pull Andrew Luck to put in Jacoby Brissett to throw the bomb, which, who brings in a closer in football? The Colts. Jim Mercy. So, I mean, the Colts claim that it had nothing to do with his velocity and his arm strength, but, I mean, should you be worried about Happy June's shoulder over there? I'm going to direct you back to Bull Bleep. And, uh, yeah, I'd be a little concerned. He has the shallowest depth of target in the NFL. That is not the Andrew Luck that we used to watch before he hurt himself snowboarding. Spoiler alert, if you didn't see that news story, that's what happened, by the way. He hurt himself in football, and then he went snowboarding, and he hurt himself even more. And so... Good job, Stanford. Uh, for those of you who don't get the Happy June reference, we should probably actually tweet out uh, the Andrew Luck Book Club, which is go. one of the most endearing Twitter segments I've ever seen. Uh, happy June! <laughs> we'll happy have to tweet June, that out. Indeed. Hashtag yeah, Happy June. I'd be worried about it. I am worried about it as someone who owns Andrew Luck in a league. 
And if he can't throw it, you know, more than 40 yards, what does that do to T.Y. Hilton? Right. So, I mean, I mean, obviously, I'm going to go ahead and I don't want to speak for you. So what do you think? Concern? No. How could you not be? Exactly. I don't, I don't well, understand I you back how, you, how you couldn't be concerned if you're telling me that my franchise quarterback has the ball at midfield with the game on the line and I'm putting Jacoby Brissett in the game. Cold, off the bench. I either have a problem with my franchise quarterback's arm or I have a problem with the head coach I hired. One or the other. Oh, it could be both. Yeah, maybe it's both. But no, yeah, I mean, the, the boom... The boom of T.Y. Hilton is what makes T.Y. Hilton so valuable. And if you're yeah, telling me that he's I'm just going to get a small five-yard pass and have to run I don't it out want like Tyreek yeah, Hill, point? yeah, that's not no going to happen. He's going to get hurt. The whole point of Tyree of, of T.Y. as you point out is that he can outrun the safety. And you just got to Andrew Luck has spread the ball around. He's bother. thrown it a lot to the tight ends and the running backs. They a lot of short that. passes. They always do right. That, he loves he loves to dip and dunk, and that that's never. Uh, he's never shied away from that, I should say. But the ability to hit the home run ball has been a lot of not only his value, but as we said, T.Y. Hilton. It's a hallmark of the so, early career of Andrew Luck is suddenly hauling off a 60-yard bomb. And it, it, if that's not there, man, that caps the upside that everybody yeah. was buying into. Like, you really – I didn't draft him there to be Alex Smith. You know, right. not not to throw shade at Alex Smith, who actually can throw a deep ball, apparently. As you throw shade at Alex Smith. Well, through a little. A little. Just, you know, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, tiny bit. It's, it's Alex Smith. But yeah, no, yeah, it's it's everybody's <laughs> value there. Everyone's, not just his. Yeah, it, exactly. Well, actually, weirdly, I think it actually upticks the value of the tight ends and the running backs, because they'll get more targets if he's just dipping and dunking. So, it's, you know, that there's definitely a situation there. But, uh... I mean, it's it's just completely – it's just not good. So, I mean, yeah, I'm a little concerned about it, and I think everybody else should be as well. Uh, I don't know what you do with that, though, Steve. Nothing right now. Yeah. Wait and see. Wait, wait and see. Meanwhile, Marcus Mariota, speaking of quarterbacks that can't throw, still can't make – all of his throws, according to reports. I mean, this has been one of the weirdest roller coaster situations we've ever seen. He was yeah. supposed to be off again last week. Uh, remember, he's dealing with a bone bruise on, like, the funny bone of his throwing elbow. It's the weirdest injury I've ever heard. It's like, I think what they're trying to get across is, I think he's got some sort of pinched nerve in his elbow. Yeah. And I play a lot of disc golf, and I can explain this to those of you who've never played tennis or disc golf or baseball. Uh, if he gets a bone bruise that's actually cutting off between the middle part of your elbow there, and it's swelling up even a little bit, he's not going to be able to use his hand properly, which is why he says he can't grip a football. And yep. it's, it's also going to be hard for him to get a uh, an, an accurate amount of power through that joint. Like He's just not going to be able to transfer the weight and throw the way that he normally does. So that means he's going to alter the point at which he throws it, which could actually really mess up your throwing motion long term because you start grooving in bad muscle memory because you're uh, subconsciously protecting your joint. So that's insanely bad. And the fact that they have to keep rolling him out there for reasons that I'm going to let Steve get into now is fascinating. Yeah, Blaine Gabbert got the start for the second week in a row, and in the first quarter he immediately gets blasted by, I believe, Clayus Campbell. 
and is knocked out of the game with a concussion protocol, so Mariota has to come in. Ugh. Ultimately, they somehow won that game 9-6 in one of the ugliest football Science! games you'll see. Because division football is just so weird. Science. But with uh, with Gabbard still in that concussion protocol, they've named Mariota the starter for week four. So, I mean, look, without him at 100%, the, the offense just doesn't work. A, a lot of that goes through not only him throwing the ball, but his ability to escape in the pocket and make throws on the run. And you saw last week a lot of it was just him running around and pitching the ball back to the running backs, and that's easy to sniff out. If you know the QB can't throw, then obviously you're just going to put eight guys in the box and and stop the run. We'll put two spies on him. Not just one spy, but two. And we'll just make sure that he can't do anything. So clearly you can't start any Titan unless you're completely desperate at this point. Rashard Matthews has reportedly been released by the Titans, so clearly you don't want to start him. Maybe he'll be moving on to greener pastures. That's why we chose to put the note in. Uh, It's not about Rashard Matthews uh, in the sense that he has no value. He actually does have value. So if he winds up on a good squad, I think, uh, in a good situation, I should say, I think he might actually be addable because he was drafted at the start of the year. There's never been too much concern about Rashard Matthews' talent. It's always injuries, and then can the Titans actually move the ball? So with him getting his walking papers, this could, in a weird way, actually be one of those things that turns into fantasy gold. There's right. a couple situations, like the Eagles, for example. Once you learn the you know the playbook and how to do it, I mean, we could go on, but there's upside there if he gets to a good spot. Now there's you know wait and see, wait and see. So you're kind of waiting it out. If you're an owner of one of the Titans, keeping that in mind, though, is there anyone out there on their roster? Corey Davis, who we talked about before, um, I guess Jonu Smith, technically, uh, you know, Dion Lewis, Derek Henry, Derek Henry, anyone, anyone of the skill position guys that you're looking at as a possible buy low, because it's never going to get lower than it is right now for their value. Yeah, and. <sighs> Unfortunately, not really. Derrick Henry, maybe, if I could get him super cheap. If I could get Derrick Henry for, you know, 50 cents on the dollar, then I'd think about it, depending on how my running back situation looks and how my team looks, and just wait that out. Uh, but I'm not interested, really, in Corey Davis, and I'm still convinced that Deion Lewis is... With him having to do so much more of the workload, I'm really concerned about Deion Lewis taking an early season injury. Right. Yeah, I would agree about, with that as well. It's, uh, Derrick Henry, three cents Corey, on the dollar, yeah, and then Corey I pass Davis, on the rest. Corey Davis, we've talked about that we never saw the the you know the skill set there translating. With I've Mario been off Corey Davis since he was in college. Everyone who's been listening to us should know that by now. And it's now reflected with Rashard Matthews leaving. I don't understand who's going to be on the others. Like, are you're really into Tajay Sharp that much? That's what I was going to say. Tajay Sharp. Don't they have Taewon Jones? It's one of those, yeah. I guess. Like. It's one of those guys, but does any of that really float your boat? No, I'd rather take all. a shot so, on Jakeem like, Grant, frankly, in the yeah, Dolphins. You make a, like, I would make a very low bid offer on Derrick Henry and see if someone bites. If someone yep. wants to wait it out and see. But again, if well, you started off 2-1, yeah, make a trade, stash it, see if it turns into something later. Meanwhile... Alshon Jeffrey cleared for contact today, so he was back at individual drills 
at practice. It's a great step in the right direction, but he's still just a limited participant. There's no indication yet if he'll be playing or not this week. Just an update that uh, he's finally, finally back on the field. So that pick that you spent on him way too high may actually start generating you something. Look at that. Yeah. And again, if you're looking for somebody who's just completely beside themselves desperate because they're one and two or something, this is probably the time if you were going to do it to come in with some sort of offer. Now, I'm not paying anything close to what they paid because I'm not getting the return on that. Sure, make but a buy low offer. Yeah. If you can get a buy low on Jeffrey, now's the time to do it. I, By the way, I just don't – A, I don't think he's going to play this week. If he does, I don't want to play him this week. Right. Next week, we'll revisit this issue. <laughs> well, you said A, so I thought maybe there was a B. No, B was, A was, I don't <laughs> think he's going to play. B was, if he does, I don't want to play him. Oh, okay. All right, good. There we go. Meanwhile, Rex Burkhead placed on the IR today. Now, Rex Burkhead probably wasn't in your starting lineup anyway, but I feel this is most interesting for James White owners. He's gotten a lot of the workload in the first couple of weeks here, and I said you're going to want to fade that, trade it, sell high if you can, because when Sony Michelle and Rex Burkhead are back healthy, James White's going to lose a lot of his production. Well, here we are. Rex Burkhead now on the IR, done for at least eight weeks, and probably the season, depending on the severity. So with Burkhead gone... It's just the rookie, Sony Michelle, and James White. So now he has a solidified role. We don't exactly know what that'll be, but we assume it'll be the same pass-catching role that he's had in years past, where he's the third-down guy getting a lot of looks in the red zone as a pass-catcher for some reason. But that's, that's what they do with him out there, and all of a sudden James White might be a viable option for the entire fantasy season. Yeah, and that's... Well, it's one of those situations where we've always said if we could pare down the Patriots' backfield to, you know, even just two guys, that they would have a ton of value because you're out there with Tom Brady. And even though they haven't looked great, I mean, he's had solid fantasy production, again, in a position that drops off a cliff once you get past about 20 guys. Right. So by virtue of just eliminating one player from the pool, yeah, James White, until he gets hurt which is my chief concern at this point is just can James White handle that workload for 16, 17 games without something going wrong? Uh, he's not like a chronic injury risk like a Deion Lewis, but he's definitely on my radar for like any, anytime he's going to be on the injury report, it's going to be like, yeah, all right, like what do we got going on here? But uh, I will say Sony Michelle's got some run. He didn't do a whole lot though to really like, take meaningful workload away from yeah he James didn't White, would you not in agree? his first game yeah he didn't do anything in that game that i was blown away by so james white come on down all right neil one last time we're gonna remind you fantasyfootballevolution.com ffe great partner with us this year you can still sign up it's not too late week four the deadline is before tomorrow night's game so if you're listening to this on thursday you still have time before thursday night football all you got to do go to fantasyfootballevolution.com sign up for a new team when you get to the marketing when you get to the competition page you go to marketing partner important nonsense sign up for the competition 
get in the running for that lucky whitehead. Everybody knows you want the lucky whitehead. At least $6 value, folks. Minimum. You can't. Minimum. Minimum. $6. You cannot get value like this from other fantasy outlets. $6 autographed lucky whitehead. I mean, come on. Come on. But remember, when uh, you sign up with us, you also automatically get locked in to the global competition for $25,000. Straight cash, homie. Straight cash. And you get locked in to your uh, local state competition. Now, of course, restrictions do apply. Make sure you check the website for all the details. If you're in Arizona, we're sorry. It's not personal. Yes. It's just. I'm actually sorry for multiple reasons. (laughs) There you go. But yes, uh, FFE, so FantasyFootballEvolution.com. Sign up at FantasyFootballEvolution.com. All right, Neil, we have a brief under the microscope this week. Under the microscope. A microscope is an optical instrument used to magnify objects. Under the microscope. Simple as they are, the microscope is no toy. Under the microscope, into the friendship running zone. Under the microscope. Alright, we touched on it earlier, the biggest story of the week. Jimmy Garoppolo going down with the ACL tear. The, of course, instant reaction was to panic. Everybody kind of running around screaming. Uh, it, it was a complete and total mayhem. So my take on it was just uh, let's, let's pump the brakes on that a little bit and dive deeper into it with the numbers. And I looked at each of the individual players with C.J. Beathard and with Jimmy Garoppolo. That is up now on the website, importantnonsense.com, in the Under the Microscope section. You can also check out Aiden's piece, Daily awareness, getting you ready for DFS this weekend. Give a shout out to Aiden at FF Aware. All the money he's been making everybody on DFS this year. Trust me. Trust? I'm asking you to trust me. Or busts. You make any kind of mistake and boom. Players to start. That a fish you can trust or what? Trust your instincts. Players that should sit. Go ahead and take a seat. Take a seat right over there. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Helping you set your lineup. Don't make the same mistake I made. To win your week. Gotcha. Can't win, don't try. On the Important Nonsense Podcast. And remember, don't trust anyone over 30! Alright, Neil, week four, we've got bye weeks this week, as I mentioned before, not to mention the injuries. So, uh, this was not an easy one. uh, It's a little thin. It's a bit thin. Pretty thin. It's a wee bit thin. Also, just to look behind the curtain, people will listen to this. Sometimes we don't do this at the same time. Sometimes we do it independently. And we don't see each other's results until beforehand. And this week, because Steve did his first, I ended up doing mine independently, loading it, and then realizing we had the exact same list. (laughs) So this is not going to be super contentious. There you go. <laughs> uh, my trust this week, starting at quarterback, of course, is Phil Rivers against San Francisco. The San Francisco defense, we saw what he was able to do last weekend. You know, Phil Rivers, Mr. Consistency out there, putting up numbers 
again. Oh, I'm playing him against him in fantasy, so you know he's going off for a 42. 42.8 decimal score. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I've mentioned it a couple times, by the way. Uh, for me, trust this week, and really for one week, Ryan Tannehill. And I know it's a division game in New England. I'm aware. I can read. So go ahead and just add me with your hate mail. It's fine. I can read, he says. But uh, <laughs> I got to tell you, he's looked good so far, and they're finding new and just interesting ways of kind of moving the ball on these big hitters. And New England secondary has just been terrible. They really have. Yeah. So for a one week, see how it goes type of thing. If you're desperate, if you were a Jimmy Garoppolo owner and you're just completely desperate and you've got nothing, Ryan Tannehill for a dollar. Ryan Tannehill for three dollars. Like, I'll, I'll give it a shot for one week. It's not something I think I want to deal with long term, but it's a Band-Aid to get me through this Sunday. And I think he'll score Bust. well. I'm going with Fitz Magic. Look, he did put up a big number on Monday night in the drastic comeback, but we've also seen the Bears' anemic offense, and we've seen how great the Bears' defense can be. So this weekend, I actually feel like it's going to go one of two ways. It's either going to be a super low-scoring game because the Bears' defense is just crushing Fitzpatrick all day long, and he's not able to do anything. He's throwing a bunch more picks, and he, he can't, you know, put up any points or the bears are putting up points and they're trying to catch up to them but again have you seen the bears offense yes yes i have yeah i mean their best case scenario <laughs> is maybe 20 points can khalil mack play quarterback that's so either the best, that's the best right. case scenario so either they're going to be chasing the bears and the bears defense is going to be able to shut him down or the bears offense is going to be so anemic that they're going to go up 21 to 7 the buccaneers go up 21-7 in the first and then they're just running the ball with Peyton Barber and he never has to throw the ball in the second half of the game. It's going to go one of two ways and neither way gets you fantasy points. Or Khalil Mack plays quarterback. Just hear me out. Hear me out. I mean <laughs> can't it be cannot worse. be worse than what I've watched. <laughs> Oh, can we? Do we have time to do your local? Go Bears! <laughs> I just want to do your local Chicago sports hits that you were doing for me on Tuesday about no, we don't, we it's don't time, time for Chase Daniel. But it's good. Okay, well, yeah, we'll just do it's, it's time for Chase Daniel and move on. My bust this week, Kirk Cousins. Oh, that hurts me. Did not want to read that, but look, I realize the Rams are going to be without their top two corners. That yeah, Rams defense is call. still. What's that? That's the bold call there, is then Yeah. They're weak it's, in the secondary now, so they're gonna be weak in the secondary shootout. now, but it's it's just one of those things where again, it's trust or bust. And Kirk Cousins for me is far from a trust after last week. Even with no prep, you should have been able to do something. And even without their top two corners, I think they're gonna give him a game. So I'm not super high on Kirk Cousins. If I had another option, which unfortunately you probably don't, yeah. I yeah consider fading him for Philip Rivers, for example, if you were fortunate enough to have both of them. Like, I would rather, I've got him just knocked down in the ranks for this week just a bit, Kirk Cousins. You can't escape a performance like that without a little bit of a knockdown. Running back, my trust, Chris Carson against Arizona. First of all, AZ, terrible. 
that offense or that defense, well, offense too, but All the defense is terrible. Super nuts. And Chris Carson, mostly a timeshare all season until last week. 32 carries for Chris Carson, three for Rashad Penny. Where, where's my Rashad Penny truthers? Where are you at? Cause I don't see you now. Nobody's there with Rashad tripping. Penny on the Eddie Lacy health plan. Yeah. On the waiver wire. Game so Chris Carson, <laughs> my trust for this week. Hey, I'm going right back to the well. I was right last week. I'm going to be right again. This week, I trust Javoris Buck Allen. The book. It is the weirdest role. I've seen it running back in forever. It is bizarre. Yeah. He is the pass catching back and the red. That's side. barely humanly possible. Thank you. Thank it you, Matt Baskershin. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Matt. It, it is it is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. But he, he's the goal line back, the receiving back, and just the all around red zone guy. And it yep. makes no sense. But they're not going to be able to run against Pittsburgh. It's just not going to happen. And they're going to end up having to throw dump offs to Buck Allen all day. And all you Alex Collins people are going to be so salty. So Buck Allen, one more again. My bust, the number one RB2 in the league, Kareem Hunt. He hasn't even been living up to that. He has had Everyone wants to talk about Mahomie and how he's doing so good this season. But, you know, Tyreek Hill had the one huge game in week one, and he's kind of disappeared. And Travis Kelsey hasn't put up giant numbers. He had one and neither is Kareem Hunt. Last week. So uh Kareem Hunt's kind of just been middling. Now you're going to go face Denver in Denver on the road. And uh, I, I kind of feel like... about losing last week. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Kareem Hunt's just going to get murdered here. So I don't see things getting better for Kareem Hunt anytime soon. He is my bust this week. Hey, by the way, my bust this week, just like last week, Alex Collins. You thought I was done with you, Alex Collins owners? No, no, no. <laughs> No, 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 I'm not. Full even. double down. The not full even double We're down. We're going right back to the well. We're going right back. I was so right last week that it transcends into another week. That's how correct I was. It's, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, you're right. Order. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, you're so insightful. But what I will say is he's just not getting the work that was expected of him. They've completely abandoned him in the red zone. And by the way, he's averaging 3.2 yards per carry. So that's why they abandoned him. So whether it's the blocking or he's just not right, whatever it is, you can't be averaging three yards a carry. And that's how you end up with Buck Allen having the weirdest role in fantasy football ever. Is the one guy just isn't as effective as he was last year ripping off those huge runs. If he's not going to get the big play home run hits, then Alex Collins is functionally just not effective. And if and I don't see him doing that against Pittsburgh, so... Wait and see, but I don't I don't know that you get anything better, but I'm not trying to play Alex Collins this week. Wide receiver, I'm trusting Sterling Shepard. We mentioned Evan Ingram going down. Sterling Shepard has been their red zone guy. He's the biggest body they've got with Evan Ingram out. So look for his red zone targets and his middle-of-the-field workload to increase. Sterling Shepard, a guy that should certainly be in your lineup against New Orleans. Love the Sterling Shepard call particularly because I don't think they've adjusted his daily uh, value yet, but I'll let Aiden get into that. Uh, <laughs> my my trust is Calvin Ridley. I mean, we've been waiting and waiting for the for the big breakout game. We knew the Falcons the Riddler. had to the Riddler. We knew the Falcons had to get something else going besides Julio Jones. I mean, they pretty much have – that's been the whole Achilles heel of the whole system. 
you you cannot just run the whole offense through Julio Jones because eventually they'll just triple team him, and then you got nothing. So it looked like they were making a conscious effort to get Ridley involved last week. Now, New Orleans secondary has been atrocious, and Cincinnati's has been a bit better. But I still like Calvin Ridley to repeat because I think they've kind of stumbled upon the formula for success here. I think they're going to realize pretty quickly that once we can get someone else going, we can get Julio going again. And Cincinnati's got a pretty decent secondary, but they can't cover them both. So I like Calvin Ridley and – Coincidentally, I also think Julio Jones might have a nice day here as well. I wouldn't be too scared of it. Yeah, he kind of stumbled out of the blocks in week one, but the past two weeks he's found his way into the end zone, including three times last week. So Calvin Ridley, good call. This one hurts me personally, but my bust is little Cooper Cup. Little oh, Cooper. God. Do, we don't have sad violin music, do we? Well, we don't, unfortunately. Oh, but Cooper Cup against Minnesota, look, it's a short week, tough matchup. And I love his role in the offense. I love what he's doing. It's just it was so hard to find a decent bust on the list this week at wide receiver that I had to scrape the bottom of the barrel here. So Cooper Cup on a short week on Thursday, not someone I'm interested in. Probably deals with Harrison Smith when he's not rushing the passer. I don't like it. Uh, or I don't like uh, Cooper Cup either. Um, mine ends up being Quincy Anunwa. And I realized some of you may feel like, that's weak. But, hey, I got to tell you, Quincy Noon was a lot of people's flex. They were listening when we were talking about him on the waiver wire column earlier this year. As he, he should is, be. He's still dominating them in red he's zone He's still targets. dominating, but he is playing Jacksonville this week, and I want no part of it. Nope. So, no, thank you. find a different flex. Tight end trust Ben Watson against the Giants. Going back to the New Orleans well, I want as much of this New Orleans offense as I can get in these first few weeks of the season with these juicy matchups. Look, he has just dominated the middle of the field. When you're looking at target percentage, he has played as many snaps almost as Austin Hooper. He's tied for eighth right now among tight ends for routes run. He's getting the yardage, he's getting the targets, and when you look at his targets too, he's got 12 receptions on 14 targets. So when Drew Brees is throwing him the ball there in the middle of the field, he's getting it. The difference between Ben Watson and some of these other guys that you've got currently starting for you is they've fallen into the end zone and he hasn't. And it's hilarious to me too when you're looking at these things, for example, like ESPN, which is a format we use a lot. Look, When you look at the stats, Neil... The yardage for Austin Hooper and Ben Watson, basically the same. The targets, uh, Watson has 14, Hooper has 13. Catches, Watson 12, Hooper 11. It's virtually the same in every category. Routes run, snaps played, almost every statistical category, it's exactly the same. Austin Hooper has one touchdown reception. Ben Watson has none. And if you read the player descriptions... It'll tell you that Ben Watson is a mid-tier to low-end tight end two because of those numbers, and Austin Hooper is a borderline tight end one. Well, so it just go. goes to show you, you, you have to look at the numbers yourself and do your own research, because when you let other people like Mike Clay do it Mike for Clay. you, I was gonna say, that's is, what is you this get. Just, we're just going to throw shade at Mike Clay. Is that what we're doing now? Just... I mean, when he makes it so easy for me, it's literally the same numbers and same production, and you're going to tell me that yeah. they're drastically different because Austin Hooper happened to catch one touchdown. Well, I don't I have no issue with the Ben Watson, by the way, because the Giants' secondary has just been atrocious. Yes. 
So, I mean, it's, it really like this, the, if you were going to have to start Ben Watson any week, I mean, roll it now. Cause I like his chances of getting in the end zone. Plus, and remember too, up. that the giants last year at one point it was Cleveland and then it was the giants start any tight end against the giants. That was the theme. And last week, the modge podge of guys that the Texans run out there every week put up some big yardage in the middle of the field. It's three guys. Ben it's, this week. Yeah, if you added it together to be one guy, it would probably be like tight end. It would five. have been a great fantasy day. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the problem with tight end. Tight end, as we've pointed also, out. Also, if Deshaun Watson was accurate and Ryan Griffin could catch, it would have been a huge day. There you go. But that's and, just personal. Well, yeah. I mean, that's really personal. That's like, <laughs> <laughs> you okay? Are we going to have to no. do that thing where the news no, hit you I, hard again? I need my blanket, but it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, Ben Watson against the Giants, I think, is definitely something worth, you know, definitely a spot start there. For my, for me, my trust is going to be Tyler Eifert this week going against uh, Atlanta. Uh, I just think they're going to they, – they made it a point last week to get him more involved, and it feels like they're kind of sliding back into that groove with him, with Dalton, where he's just kind of the safety blanket. And they're going to make a conscious effort to try and take A.J. Green away. So uh, Boyd might see some love there. But that's kind of how everybody plays Cincinnati at this point is, okay, well, you can, if you want to beat us without A.J. Green, we're going to try and do that. Atlanta's coming in late in the secondary. So I think they're going to have to really try and focus to do that job, which should lead to Tyler Eifert getting covered by people that, frankly, should not be trying to cover Tyler Eifert. So I think he's going to get some safety blanket love. Uh, my bust going back to the well here on Thursday night football offense. Look, if there's any Thursday night football game that will be number one worth watching, and number two could turn into an offensive shootout, it's this game here. And normally with those defenses, I would say otherwise, but with the Rams secondary being so banged up and the Vikings just getting destroyed by Buffalo, who knows? Crazier things have happened. But I'm going to say Kyle Rudolph against the Rams. I mean, look, Kyle Rudolph, you would think that the checkdowns from Kirk Cousins would be there. You don't want to hit the Vikings horn? That it, well, sure, why not? I mean, I'm supposed to, and I clearly can't do my job, so thank you for reminding me yep. and the public of that. But uh, Kyle Rudolph, he, you would think that with Kirk Cousins being there, that he would get the checkdowns like he was getting with Jordan Reed, and that they, he would be in that same area. I mentioned in the preseason, he's got the toughest matchups of any tight end in the NFL this year. And that's proven out so far. We've said before, the way to beat the Rams is with the tight end over the middle. Because the secondary and the tight end and the linebackers, that's their weakness now. So it's possible that he does have a decent game. But just in terms of target share, in number of targets, in yards per target, Kyle Rudolph is a back-end tight end two with those numbers. So, yeah, he is my bust for this week for sure. I can't trust him on Thursday night. Kyle Rudolph, sell high. Sell, sell high from Bears what? Game. After that Bears game. <laughs> After that Bears game where he scored a touchdown. I feel like people see the name. He's rated as like tight end eight. I mean, if you can sell him for anything, I guess. All right. It's one of those things where I feel like if you put Kyle Rudolph out there, somebody would come and knock him. Anyway, my bust, Zach Ertz against the Titans. Oh, I know. What? I know. What? I know. Weirdly, 
And I so emphasize, bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. I emphasize weirdly. <laughs> the tight end is the one thing the Tennessee Titans defense actually seems to cover well. That's it. They they really seem to know how to do that. It's it's a terrible matchup for Ertz and Godair, but it's a weird one. The issue is you probably don't have any other uh, options, but it's also the emergence of Godair, which is what I wanted to close with. Anything? Nothing? Something? No, nothing. Do you care? No? Don't, Not worried don't. about it? Fluke? Not at all. Yeah. It, 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 it's just worth bringing up. So it is It is clear that the tight end always has value in uh, in Philly, and it's probably still Zach Ertz. It's, you know, more than probably, actually. It should still be Zach Ertz. It's just one of those things where this week I'm not I'm not loving it. In, in daily, I'm probably staying away because they're going to charge you a pretty penny. So it's just one of those things where for one week only, I'm not super excited in the Philly tight end going up against the Titans because I think they're going to try and do something else. Plus, I mean, did you see anything from Wentz? You, we were talking about it's a it's a it's a rust game. You know what I mean? Yeah, you got to shake out the, the cobwebs. So I'm you wondering bring up if a good point though that uh, something you have to be careful of in the beginning of the season is when you get a lot of, you know, oh, well, the the Titans are the the worst matchup possible for tight end. You also have to keep in mind we're only three weeks deep. Yes. And and to this point, the Titans have played Mike Gusecki, the rookie for Miami, the Maj Podge of Houston's tight end core, and ASJ with Blake Bortles last week. So it's yep. not like they've had world beaters against them. I would say Zach Ertz is far and away the biggest test they've had so far this season. So yes. it, would, it would stun me pretty much if if he was as bad as they were in those games. Yep, but the weird thing is, it's not like you have better options. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. And again, welcome to tight end. Yeah, the the wasteland of tight end. So picking a bust within tight end <laughs> is picking between six guys. Well, it's not so, only that too, but I picked Rudolph, and then you've got Jordan Reed on the bye, and you had Evan yes. Ingram hurt. So right, you so had a narrowed playing the field pool. there. So you so, had nine guys to pick from. So my only reason for bringing up Ertz really was to mention Godair's great game last week, and also to point out that the Titans, on paper, on paper are a mm. terrible tight end matchup. Yeah. Now, we will we will have that theory tested, as you pointed out, this weekend. And it, again, if you have Zach Ertz, it's not like you have better options, unless you have the weirdest fantasy football team I've ever seen. Sure. Shout out to Superfan Brian. Okay, yeah, that did happen, that one. Yeah, had to have the greatest insurance did, policy that, in the that world. That did happen. So. That did happen. The Grant Kelsey. <laughs> yeah. But there you go. So that's it, Trust or Bust for the week. That is the show. For the week, remember to hit us up on Twitter at nonsense underscore Steve at nonsense underscore Neil. No devil's advocate this week. Don't blame us. Blame the fact that you all couldn't reach consensus on the internet on what to talk about. Well, there was time. no, there There's was too much there news. Were, there were no overarching topics. Also, so get it together. Shout out to Aiden at FF Aware. Make sure to check out the daily column. Check out my column this week. And uh, until next week, just keep up the nonsense. Have a week. Music for the Important Nonsense Podcast is provided by Lee Rosebeer, Lame Genie, and Tri Tachyon. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with the latest content on importantnonsense.com.